I trust that uh, it is a good evening, and if it is not, uh, may God graciously undertake for you regarding and in particular to your situation. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Continuing to reflecting on the question that we have been dealing with, answering who is Jesus Christ. And in verse 6, we are taught there that his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So let's read verse 6 from the beginning. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We consider the immediate setting uh, of that verse, that it is in the context of a negative situation, but that whole portion is calling Israel to celebration, to hope, and to assurance that this God has not neglected them, but that he's going to bring about victory. So you begin verse 9 with but, because what has gone before is a negative and the contrast is a positive. There will be no more, but there will be no gloom for he, her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And we ask the question, why? And we have four reasons there. The first four is in verse 5, for every boot. Then we have four, to us a child is born. Providing reasons for that contrast in verse 1. We considered, as it were, the names separately, wonderful and also a counselor. But as you read these words in the current versions of the Bible and the latest commentaries, so the newer commentaries uh, tend to address wonderful counselor as one designation. The older commentaries treat these as two separate names. So they will actually count wonderful as one, counselor two, mighty God three, everlasting father four, and prince of peace five. The current commentary simply consider four, and we began with considering the older commentaries, and this evening the combination and what that combination would mean to us. And then lastly and reasonably extended, what I'm calling the application, the call to pursue wisdom, focusing on counselor as the all-knowing one, the all-wise God, the one whose counsel is never amiss, and if we are to be Christ-like, we must pursue wisdom 
from this glorious, wonderful counselor. So this evening then, wonderful counselor and what we can learn from there. A combined wonderful counselor is in the prophets expressed in meaning in the writing of Isaiah the closest you come and part of the reason some said this is a combined designation or name is particularly because of Isaiah 28 and verse 29. So please do turn there that those who say this must be treated as one designation which treatment we're considering today is because of Isaiah 28 verse 29. They say the construction is the same. And the Hebrew seem to agree that this is one and the same statement. 28 and verse 29 we read. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Now notice that this expression that is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom is in regard to what goes before. Picking up at verse 27, we read of chapter 28, Deal is not threshed with a threshing slave, nor is a cart wheel road overcoming. But deal is beaten out with a stick and coming with a rod. Does one crush grain for bread? No, he does not thresh it forever. When he drives his cart wheel over it with his horses, he does not crush it. And all he's saying that these things are done this way because of God's wisdom. Uh, that those of us that grew up in the village uh, and my mother and during that time we were peas and farmers with my father and they cultivated sorghum primarily. You beat the sorghum with a stick but you didn't beat it so that it breaks. That's the argument here. That it is so done that the grain is not crushed. Because the time for crushing or milling is going to come later. But the argument is that this wisdom is not necessarily human. This is all God's doing. What you have in the Hebrew Jewish practice Remember Samson's picture that there is these horses or donkeys and they are put on this yoke and there is something they are pulling and that which they are pulling is actually removing the grain from the husks and it's all running over these grains not grinding them but only so much as to remove the husk. That's the picture you have coming and stuff and then you read in verse 29 that this wisdom is not human wisdom. This wisdom is actually from God. And it's in that context we have verse 29. This also, this kind of wisdom, this kind of skill, this kind of knowledge, this kind of activity, so that some grain, just in case you missed it, verse 28, does one crush grain for bread? No, he does not thresh it forever. And the meaning is, is it crushed for bread when it is being threshed? 
And the answer is no, because it, on, it is only threshed for a limited time. When he drives his cart wheel over it, with his horse he does not crush it. Why is this so? This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Because of verse 29, there is a reasonable textual argument. That is argument from the passages of scripture that others are able to say that wonderful counselor basically means that this God is a God of wonderful counsel. And that's where it is coming from, those that pay attention to textual a criticism not in the negative sense but in the biblical sense we read there this also comes from the lord of hosts is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom the sense from the combination of the two as adopted in modern versions is that this son this jesus christ will be the nation's wonderful that is exceptional or distinguished counselor and the one to whom people will in the time to come gladly listen as the authoritative one and the application it is argued is found in the new testament that when jesus christ taught there was this excellent teaching methodology if you are a teacher that's familiar language but there is this great wisdom that people are able to say he does not teach like the teachers of the law nor the Pharisees but he teaches as one with authority that that wisdom is seen there when he's debating in the temple at 12 years old he confounds the wisdom of the rabbis the teachers of the law, when they pose questions because he's a wonderful counselor, the very source and center of wisdom. Here is the one in the kingdom many people be anxious to hear teach God's way. So that Jesus can say, you heard it was said, but now I tell you, you heard it was said because I am the very center. I am the one in terms of 28, 29. I am the one who is wonderful in counsel, wonderful in wisdom, not only wonderful, but excellent. So the Pharisees, and by the way, pay attention to some of those wordings. Jesus is saying, you have heard it was said. And that Jesus is not saying in that context what my father told you is wrong. Jesus is referring to the interpretation of what God had instructed. Because the Jews or the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had so explained the law and this is what they instructed. I think I remember it should be from this pulpit I said, that the understanding of the Jews, they had multiplied the Ten Commandments to 600 commandments. 
and it is to that is referring. You have heard it was said, here is how you do not break the Sabbath. Carry water on your instep as opposed to your, the palms. When you carry water here, it is work. When you carry it on top, it is not work. Jesus is saying, you have heard it was said. You have heard it was said, you can divorce your wife simply by writing a letter. But now I tell you, and is coming across to us and demonstrating that is wonderful in counsel, in instruction, in wisdom, in knowledge, in understanding, in discernment, excellent in this context. Because of who he is, here's what we read in Isaiah chapter 2. The interesting things that in case it differs, uh, what I have here may have been wrongly copied, but here is what I have on my notes. Isaiah chapter 2, 2 to 3. In the context of his wisdom, you read the Israelites say, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. Why are they going to the mountain? There is a teacher per excellence. There is a teacher outstanding. There is this one who is wonderful in counsel that they will go to this one and the reason they are going to learn from this one is that they may learn, they may be taught his ways and that they may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So the Jews, they will read Isaiah 9 and they would say, well, this is the one to whom we go. This is the one lifted highest. This is the one wonderful in counsel, or this is the wonderful counselor. Let's go and listen to him. In the New Testament times, the times of the Greeks, philosophy and everything, the Apostle Paul would argue, I did not come to you with eloquence. In other words, I am not impressive. In that sense, I am foolish. But here is how I come in the strength and the wisdom of God. Now the wisdom of God to those that are perishing is foolishness. But to the ones being saved is the wisdom of God. It's in that contrast that he confounds philosophy of the world and logic of this world and debaters of the world that is words of excellent wisdom. And that combination is a glorious one. He's not only excellent in wisdom, he's wonderful in counsel. He's wonderful counselor as in one who must satisfy the judgment. Pray that lawyers will live up to this reference. They are referred to as councils. I think we had in one wedding, junior council, senior council, uh, that it's meant that they are the wise people. They are meant to understand the law properly and apply the law appropriately, especially of those that are called the state councils. His name 
is therefore, his name therefore is not only wonderful, but counsel, the fountain of wisdom and understanding. The mind that rules over all things with perfectness of mastery, that attests everything by the eternal meridian, and that looks for righteousness. The ancient fathers identified Jesus Christ because of when the ancient fathers read Isaiah, and by ancient fathers, that mean those that came before us, those of the 16th, 15th, and going back. When they read Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, and they read Proverbs chapter 8, they just placed Jesus there. And it is from there I'm saying the ancient fathers identified Jesus Christ with the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. For example, in Proverbs 8, 12 to 36, and I'm just picking out verses there, we read in verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. Verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Verse 23, ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depth, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. And they will immediately connect this to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. They would say, no human being, no heavenly creature, no being in the whole universe fits this than the Lord Jesus Christ. So they would identify Isaiah 6 verse 9, Proverbs 8, 12, 36. They will link that back to John chapter 1 and other portions of God's Colossians. is supreme and is creator of all things. Verse 32 of Proverbs, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtain favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and he who hates me loves death. Notice that that is a personification of wisdom. And I'm arguing that that wisdom ultimately resides, culminates, ends in, finds its conclusion and highest application, meaning and illustration in Christ. The one who is wonderful in counsel, called in our text, wonderful counselor. So that combination enriches both. He is wonderful. In what is he wonderful? In his counsel. He is the all wise one. How wise is he? Wonderfully 
wise and in all the areas that we explored in relation to this. Focusing now on the fact that Christ is the wisdom of God. The one who is wonderful in counsel, the wonderful counselor, by way of extended application, in closing the consideration of the two names, I would like us to focus by way of further application the importance of wisdom, wise counsel in the lives of Christians. Why we must be like Christ in being wise. Why we must be like Christ that when we counsel people, when we speak in the lives of people, when we advise people, why we must do that with great wisdom so that it would be somehow described gloriously wonderful. We heard at the wedding yesterday that somebody credits his expanding on the traits in marriage of the personalities as husband and wife to one individual. How can we pursue such a course that when we counsel, we advise, we speak in the lives of people, years down the road they are able to say, if it was not for this lady's words, this man's words, I would have completely messed up. How can we pursue Christ-likeness in wisdom and why? The Bible emphasizes that one of the greatest qualities we can possess is wisdom. The Bible emphasizes that one of the greatest qualities Christians must possess is wisdom, and rightly so, because our Lord, our Master, our Savior, the one after whom we imitate is the very wisdom of God. And surely if we are to imitate him, we must imitate him in wisdom as well. The books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, and the Psalms are replete with timeless adverts about the importance of wisdom. Sometimes negative and very forceful, very forcefully, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. The opposite of it, the wise acknowledge there is God. The beginning of wisdom is this, Proverbs 4 verse 7, get wisdom. It's interesting that the author of Proverbs is making two statements. One statement is the beginning or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, in chapter 4, verse 7, he says something else. The beginning of wisdom is this. And you'll expect him to say, well, like I said, it's the fear of God, but he says, well, get wisdom. Are you thinking, okay, are you sure you are saying the right thing? Did you just say the beginning of wisdom, then tell us, get wisdom, that's the beginning of wisdom? Well, he would say, yes. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. It's an essential quality of those people who say they follow God. They are Christians. 
the value of wisdom to have wise counsel is communicated in a condensed but rich way in Proverbs 4 verse 5 to 9. The value of wisdom to have wise counsel is communicated in a condensed but rich way in Proverbs 4 verse 5 to 9. Here is what we read. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. That is wisdom. And she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. And she will exhort you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. There is a value. If you do family worship, you do family devotions, you can go there and do a series. The value of wisdom. And just explore why we must pursue it. Further, we observe that King Solomon, with all his magnificent wealth and possessions, understood the value of wisdom. When in Proverbs 16, verse 16, well, Proverbs 8, 11, he writes, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Now, Solomon is speaking from experience. And in 16, 16, he also states how much better to get wisdom than gold. Please, in case I am losing you, we are applying. What is the relevance of understanding who Christ is in the context of his being wonderful counselor? One who is wonderful in counsel. One who is the wisdom of God. How can we apply this? And I'm answering, pursue wisdom. Pursue this quality of the Christian faith. Pursue this biblical teaching because it's of great value. More valuable than God. Some of the passages that describe the importance of wisdom are the following. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 12. The excellence of knowledge is the wisdom is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. The excellence or advantage or profit of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 19. Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten rulers of the city. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 1. Wisdom brightens a man's face and changes its hard appearance. Proverbs 3.13. 17 and 18. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her parts are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. Proverbs 4 verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. We are commanded to walk in wisdom, Ephesians 5 
verse 15 to 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Wisdom is important in the language of Solomon in Proverbs 1 verse 3 to receive instruction in wise dealing that is dealing with issues in life. Wisdom is important in dealing with the issues of life. Wisdom, somebody has defined it, means basically a skill of life. Wisdom means being skillful and successful in one's relationships and responsibilities. It involves observing and following the Creator's principles of order in the moral universe. Wisdom has three basic components. Knowledge, understanding, and application. I said before, wisdom is the application of knowledge. Three components, knowledge, understanding, and application. Beloved, it is not enough simply to be educated and have knowledge. As important as education is, we need wisdom, which is the ability to use knowledge. Knowledge is extremely important, but knowledge is not enough. Author Haddon W. Robinson, in his foreword to Robert L. Aiden's book on Proverbs, a commentary on an ancient book of timeless advice, quoted on one website, writes, men and women educated to earn a living often don't know anything about handling life itself. Alumni from noted universities have mastered information about a narrow slice of life but couldn't make it out of the first grade when it comes to living successfully with family and friends. Let's face it, he writes, knowledge is not enough to meet life's problems. We need wisdom, the ability to handle life with a skill. One example of absolute lack of wisdom I've encountered in my pastorate is a woman has three, I think three or four children conceived and miscarried. Conceived and had a miscarriage. And one of the women went to her and said, do you want to populate the earth? The, the population statement was not meant for you. Okay, somebody has had a miscarriage. You go to them and say, you have four children already. Why do you want more? Do you want to populate the earth? 
Somebody had a miscarriage. Here is what they are hearing you say, just as well you lost your child. You can never be less wise. You can never be less wise. If you want to talk to them about having less children, let them heal. Let them recover. But even if you want to say to them, do you think they are not enough? Don't say to them, do you want to populate the earth? So this lady comes to me and she's crying. This is what I was taught. And I want to go and confront them. And you know when there is confrontation, it's bad news. Wisdom is the skill of life. It is you meeting somebody, difficult situation, probably their marriage is going through a turbulent time. And you go to them, maybe to the husband or the wife, and you say to them, that's not wisdom. We do that. We do that. Christ didn't. I just imagined if it was in our time, some people brought this woman and they said to us, so by the way, we had that YouTube posting, did you see that one? Of some bishop, it's not secret, uh, some bishop in Indola caught at the mortuary in a car committing adultery, and it's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. And you say to them, you will burn in hell. You should know better. That's not wisdom. In churches today, relationships are affected. People in some situations, at least I know, I'm not sure about Indola Baptist yet, but I know in my previous pastorate that some members would stop coming to church. They would stop attending the men's fellowship, the ladies' fellowship. And when you ask the question, why? What I was taught. Now, what may have been said may have been true, but it's the how. It was said. Wisdom is a skill. May we as Indola Baptist members, as we pursue Christ-likeness, let's pursue wisdom. Let's pursue wisdom. I think I've said this here in one CMML church. The pastor stood up to preach and is preaching on election. And because he's a proper reformed guy, uses reprobates. And some zealous young youth visits a home and looks at the children and points at one and says, carry probetiak. That's not wisdom. And the parents were infuriated. And rightly so. Part of our problem 
is that we know a lot of theology, biblical passages. The problem is application. Problem is application. Wisdom has three basic components. Knowledge, understanding, and application. I think I've said here before as well that I thought for some time I can sing in a choir. So join the choir and you sing, you are just going somewhere else. And somebody just looks at me and says, That's not wise. At least encourage me. Now you are trying, we can see your desire to sing. Can we train you? That's wisdom. No, 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 no. That's not wise. And as unsaved as I was that time, I said to the person, <laughs> So, beloved, are we wise? Are we wise? We're pursuing Christ likeness. Can it be said of us that we are wise as Christ is wise? That our advice is seasoned with his word and discernment led of God. So here is my question. Are you sure you haven't stumbled somebody by what you've said? Are you sure you haven't? And I'm not saying what you've said is wrong. I have been right. I hope you do not say, like I say humorously, that when somebody absconds from church three days, you go to them and say, Tamu apusika, yimoku, tamu If that's what you say, that's not right. That's not wisdom. Even some people can stay away from church for a year. But we simply assume that the reason you do this is because. At that point, we can say, you have no prerogative to judge. Andre van Belkam, I think that's um, uh, a Belgium name pronounced in English, has observed that the pages of history are filled with the names of brilliant and gifted people who are smart enough to become rich and famous, but not wise enough to make a successful and satisfying life. Before his death, one of the world's richest men said, that he would have given all his wealth to make one of his six marriages to succeed. He had the smartness to be the world's richest or one of the richest people. He married six times and all of them failed. What was the problem? In his own admission, wisdom. It is one thing to make a living, but quite something else to make a life. Wisdom helps us to understand the difference between what is right and wrong in God's sight. Acquiring and exercising wisdom will lead to happiness and longevity of life. Proverbs 3.13 to 16. It is an important spiritual quality God wants us 
God wants to see in us. One of the things, beloved, you must be careful not to do is to be careless with your words. Please be careful. Better say nothing than something that will absolutely destroy somebody. Let's be Christ-like. Wisdom helps us make wise choices. The effective outcome of responsible and sound choices and decisions are largely determined by wisdom. One's philosophy is not expressed in words. It is expressed in the choices we make. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. And one of the difficulties of a preacher, at least true for me, is that there are times you come out of here and in your mind you go home and you're going through what you said. And you say, okay, I don't think I should have said that. Maybe I should have said it differently. Because there are times you say something and there is a response from the pupil. If you're with your audience, you can tell that what I've said may be right, but it's a little bit not according to culture. So this is offensive. And therefore, if there is a prayer you need to make for me, and for any preacher, that would be wise, even here in the pulpit. That would be wise. And that will never, will never be unwise as to meet Mrs. Mtambo, and she shares her story with me, come next Lord's Day, I am up in the, some of you, that's the time she'll talk to me and probably come to church unless she's saved. Pray. Pray that there will be maximum wisdom, selection of words, relevant applicatory statements and illustrations. What was my thrust this evening? Please pursue wisdom. Please pursue wisdom. Please pursue wisdom. Choose your word carefully. Choose the right words that will deal with the situation the most effective way to build people up in the faith. Said and I said as I conclude, don't even hide in a false spirituality. Let's pray for our sister. No, they didn't eat yesterday. I think the husband is drinking. Please be careful. Please be careful. May God help us to be wise. Amen.